0: Radio 92.9, The Game, back at a Chuckery Show, hanging out in the Key Studios on this Tuesday night with you. 404-726-0929, that is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, it was a very full weekend of college football as we got into week number one. We had games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night as well. Let's head out to the wadeford.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy Bill Bender national college football writer for the sporting news covering college football. He's on Twitter at bill 92 bill as always, buddy appreciate a few minutes here in Atlanta with us tonight. Oh, Hey, thanks for having me on. Let's uh, let's start locally here. I mean, I know Georgia did what they had to do, but I, I want to talk a little bit about this tech game because I was immensely frustrated. You know, in the second quarter, it actually looked like they were a competent offense. They, they looked like a 21st century offense, which we've not seen very much of over the last decade plus from Georgia Tech. And then I thought Brent Key just really kind of let his foot off the gas pedal. And again, Bill, you know, these 50-50 games, these are the games Tech's got to win. If you're going to tell me they're going to get to a bowl game, you know, they're not going to run through just Old Miss and Georgia and Carolina and everybody. they got to win these 50-50 games, and that was a frustrating loss for Georgia Tech to open up with.
1: Yeah, it really is. And and Louisville's only going to get better with Coach Brown. Right. I mean, they had a nice comeback and a little bit of transfer roulette on both sides at that quarterback position. So, that's part of the game now, as you saw. I mean, you just mentioned it. I saw that for five days. It's hard to evaluate teams sometimes. When you have those quarterbacks, but a missed opportunity, no doubt. And but like you said, I mean, the first half I was kind of flipping around, flipped back, and couldn't believe Louisville came back. So yeah, a tough loss for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. We'll see how they come back from it.
0: You know, uh, as we stay in the ACC, look, I when you watched Florida State, that and I've I think you and I have talked about that because I've got Florida State in the playoff, and and I didn't just jump on that bandwagon. I, three months ago, I was talking about Florida State that I thought that they were a playoff team. But that looked a lot like the old Florida State. They had players all over the field, running back, quarterback, wide receiver, defensive line. Like, they weren't just good in a phase or two here. They, it looked like for the first time in a lot of years, they had players everywhere on the field that are immensely talented.
1: It sounded like it, too. I yeah. made the joke with my son watching it in terms of when you hear that Seminole War chant for a whole quarter, you you know they're good. And, and you uh, you know, the receivers were fantastic. Uh, Keon Coleman, what a pickup out of the transfer portal. Johnny Wilson, two really good targets. They're exceptional at throwing the football down the field. Jordan Travis really is. And you can complement that with the running game the defense and like you said a difference maker at every position Jared Verse is a top five pick um and the way they just hammered LSU in the second half was quite a statement I think they're the best team in the ACC I think they're a threat to win the national championship if that continues to materialize and it's not a fluke I mean like you said we've seen this when Florida State has the talent and puts it together they win national titles they've done it before
0: and and you know Bill I I don't you know, I, I know the narrative has been that LSU was really bad. I don't, I don't think that's a fair narrative. I, I still think that they're a very talented team. Now, look, there may not be Alabama, Georgia level, but I still think they're a talented team. I, I think, I think more of the credit has to go to Florida State about how well they played versus necessarily how bad uh, Brian Kelly was out coached and. How bad LSU played? Like, I don't know that all of that is fair.
1: Right. I mean, they made some decisions that that struggled to score in the red zone early. That impacted some things. The fourth and two that Florida State hit on a screen pass was a huge play in the game. But you're right. I mean, and this is the cost for playing these heavyweight fights in September. You know, LSU is going to be a different team in November. And that's something we wrote about at Sporting News. It's a shame in some ways that when you step out and play these games, in the four-team era, you'll probably be penalized for it. It's going to be very difficult for LSU to get to the playoff now, whereas in the 12-team playoff era, when we get LSU and USC and Alabama and Wisconsin and Michigan and Texas and Georgia and Clemson, it's a resume pattern to to help you get into the 12-team playoff. I think it'll be a difference.
0: National College Football writer for Sporting News, Bill Benner, joining me here on the waitfor.com hotline. You know, Bill, I I – I, here's here's my opinion about this i think clemson still has a really good group of offensive talented players but i think for 3 years running since the trevor lawrence you know era of of clemson football i don't think they've been coached very well and i don't think that their offensive style or their system takes advantage of the talent that they have. Look, Nick is a talented quarterback. But I, and again, DJU, I mean, you saw what DJU did over the weekend. I think that they have a lot of talent. But I really think that they are poorly coached, specifically on the offensive side of the football.
1: Well, that was what Garrett Riley was brought on to change. And, you know, where's the, the threat at receiver? That's what I was picking at a little bit last night. I mean, they did not complete a pass that was thrown more than 20 yards. They had one Mm -hmm. 20-yard catch the entire game. There's a lack of explosiveness in the passing game. Uh, and, And the running game's good, but the mistakes they made compounded everything. That was a quicksand night for them where it just seemed like every time they were close, they'd fall a little bit further down and miss tackles on the defensive side and you got to give credit to Duke. That's kind of my thing. It's the same thing you were saying about Florida State. I would give credit to Duke and Riley Leonard and their game plan and the physicality they played up front. Um, fantastic night for the Blue Devils, and they're going to be a factor in that ACC race. I don't think they're going to – I don't know that they'll win it, but Notre Dame will be a fun game when Duke plays them.
0: Well, is this situation where, Bill, that maybe if you're Duke, boy, you would have wished that you had the divisions back, right, versus – you know, having to be in the top two, maybe if you were in the coastal division, you know, this year, maybe that would have been a better pathway for Duke.
1: Probably. And, you know, obviously the North Carolina Duke game is going to be a lot of fun because of Riley Leonard, because of Drake May, because of improved defense on both sides. I mean, Dwayne Carter for uh, Duke had a nice game last night. North Carolina's getting sacked. They were all over Spencer Rattler. I think both of these teams are going to be very talented. But you're, to your point, yeah. I mean, I was at a uh, Florida State-Duke ACC championship game during those Jameis Winston days. And, uh, you know, that, they would definitely have a much better shot if they had the two divisions this year. There's no doubt about that.
0: Bill Bender, national college football writer for the Sporting News, joining me on the waitfor.com hotline. All right. Um, I- I'll guess I'll get hot taking. I've said this for about three years now. I don't think I don't think Ohio State's winning a national title as long as Ryan Day is the head coach. And that was a very look. You can say what you want about Kyle McCord and, and his lack of experience and things like that, but he doesn't have a lack of experience with with um, Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I I didn't think their quarterbacks played well. Didn't think their offensive line played well. And I thought their play calling in the first half of that game was atrocious. I I don't understand. Ohio State doesn't just have some personnel; they have immense personnel, and they also, I think, I'll say it: I think they have the best player in college football on their offense. And we can debate all of that, you know, another time. But I I just, I don't know how you don't get the ball into Marvin Harrison's hands. And look, it was a scary moment when he went down, but there is no defense and in especially Indiana, no defense in the country that should limit, um, you know, uh, uh, Marvin Harrison to like two catches for, for 39 yards. Like that was just ridiculous. That offensive performance from them.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure they'll feed him this week. And there's a lot going on there. Obviously new quarterback, three new offensive line starters, like you said, maybe loosening it up with the running game, uh, the the idea that there's a quarterback controversy, all of these things. So I, I think we'll see. I'm not as worried about Ohio State. I thought their defense was very good. Um, the one thing that Kyle McCord or Devin Brown or both the pressure that they're going to have to face as the season wears on is Ohio State's three toughest games this year. All three of those teams have quarterback figured out. You know, Sam Hartman at Notre Dame, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, Drew Aller at Penn State. He was very impressive. So yeah, it's going to be a telling year for the Buckeyes, especially in those big money games against those three opponents.
0: I'll make a prediction, Bill. If they lose to Michigan this year, Ryan Day won't be the head coach next year. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Day won't they won't they he won't be the head coach. Of, let me tell you, if they lose to Luke Fickle and Wisconsin and uh, Michigan in the same year, Ryan Day won't be the head coach of Ohio State next year. Those those people up there will run him out of town. I'm telling you, like you know. You know as well as I do. You're up there in Ohio. You know as well as I do. Those people are nuts, and, and they, will, they, will, they will run Ryan Day out of town the first chance they get.
1: Well, you can tell my editor that because we had an argument about it one day, and I was saying that very line of questioning. I said, you know, you can say his record and those things, but I know how unreasonable it gets up here, yep. how uncomfortable it gets. Um, they haven't, and to your point, I've been saying this all summer, they haven't lost to Michigan three years in a row since I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And that was from 95 to 97. And they didn't take well to it last year. I think, actually, to your point, I didn't even think about Luke Fickle, but if they lose to Notre Dame and Ohio State, I think it would – or Notre Dame and Michigan, it would be very big trouble.
0: Yep. Uh, Georgia, Let's let's talk a minute about them. Look, I thought they did what they had to do. I mean, Carson Beck played well as the game went on um anything you saw specifically out of the University of Georgia in their opener against what UT Martin no, we won't
1: know much for a few weeks we probably won't learn too much this week other than i think Kirby can use last year's game against the Mac opponent as a little bit of a um carrot this week remember they struggled against Kent State mm-hmm. and uh they're playing Ball State they're going to cruise but yeah we'll learn once they get into the SEC play i think he distributes the ball well to several receivers uh, the running game was good. Defense still good. I know they they never liked giving up points at Georgia, so giving up a touchdown probably wasn't their thing. But um, still in, a, in really good shape. And obviously, like everybody else, they're going to be watching – Georgia fans are going to be watching Alabama this weekend in primetime. That's a big game for the Crimson Tide.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that for a second. You know, obviously, Texas-Alabama marquee game, you know, is – Is Texas ready for all of this? I mean, at some point it can't be, well, we're close. Well, we're getting close. You know, at some point before Arch Manning takes over everything, you know, Texas has to have a winner or two of these games, you know, to to, you know, feel like that they're back or whatever. It can't just be, well, when Arch Manning gets a quarterback, we're gonna win all these games. Yeah, it's not it's not always that easy. How important is this game for for Texas when you look at it and say okay, you know, we need to finally maybe turn some kind of corner in this.
1: Yeah, there's a set of predetermined reactions to this game, right? So if Texas wins, we'll be wondering, is the Alabama dynasty over? Is, you know, Nick Saban done? Will Sarkeesian be their next coach? These are things that will pop up. If Texas wins, it's Quinn Ewers for Heisman, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, and this team is ready for the SEC all of those things you know what well, here's a good stat for you since uh 2009 alabama's 99 and 5 at home oh. 99 and 5 at home and uh three of those losses were to guys that won the heisman trophy that year whether it was cam or manzel or burrow so it would be a pretty momentous victory for this texas football program if they can go down to Bryant denny and win this weekend
0: hey let me uh let me ask you about a game that we saw on thursday night um you know, I I thought Utah would win, and I thought they'd win pretty comfortably. And I, I don't I don't think that game was probably as close as what the final score says it was. Um, I think I think Utah kind of dominated that game, and especially without you know having their Cam Rising at quarterback. But I I don't know about Florida. I I and I'm, i I'm again I know it's hyperbole, and it's only one game. But I don't know about Billy Napier. And, again, sometimes jobs are maybe too big for certain guys. you think Billy Napier is the right guy at Florida? I mean, do you think that he is a guy that can get them to where they think they should be at national championship caliber level?
1: Well, it's really a tough call because I think it's going to get worse before it gets better this year. I think they, they have the look of a 4-8 and eight or 5-7 team. And that's not going to go over well. But you could use the Mike Norvell analogy. You know, we were doing this discussion about Mike Norvell last year, where it was like, "Is he the right guy for Florida State?" And look at it now. So that's the call inside the building that might be tough at the end of the year, because it might be like after watching Utah, there was a lot of disorganization. A lot of uh, I didn't anticipate that Utah would completely outclass them, and they did. They out-physicaled them. They outplayed them. They outcoached them. It was an every level. Beatdown out there, so they've got a long way to go this season, and and yeah, I, I do think it'll get worse before it gets better.
0: One last question, Bill. Um, you know, a lot of hype and hoopla, and, and look, I, I've I've been to the last, I, I've I've last year, a couple of years ago, I guess when it was in Atlanta, SEC media days, and, and just watching Shane Beamer up there, like you want to run through a brick wall for Shane Beamer, like he's he's a terrific motivator, and I think he's a really good head coach. But they're another one of those programs that, yes, I know how good Drake May is, but they just don't seem ready for prime time. And all the hype and hoopla, you know, what they did at the end of the year, beat Clemson, beat Tennessee, and all that kind of stuff, you know, they turn right back around, and and they pretty much get handled by North Carolina, who's, eh, you know, I mean, they've got a great quarterback, but their defense is no great shakes. I mean, their defensive line isn't – all that good and they they pretty much handled South Carolina in that game
1: yeah uh you know obviously this was a setback for South Carolina they came into the season with a ton of momentum but North Carolina looked good I think they're the story in that game Drake May with the defense and Gene Chiswick's defense behind him um they're going to be a factor in that ACC as well. So, for South Carolina, I think the way you put it is exactly right. Maybe not quite ready for primetime. They will play Georgia in a couple of weeks. Shane will get them, keep them rolling. He's, like said, a really good motivator. But they need more out of Spencer Rattler. They need more out of that defense. And when they get in these big games, they got to realize what that stage is. I did like the onside coming out of halftime. They just didn't convert it.
0: Yeah. Uh, and that Georgia game, um, that game was what, 48 nothing. Last year. So I, yeah. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, again, I like Shane Beamer, but I, you know, at times I just I don't think that they're ready for prime time. Bill Bender is a national college football writer for the sporting news. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page at BillBender92. And he joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Bill, my friend, always appreciate it. Thanks for uh, joining me. Thanks for hanging out with this Ohio guy for a few minutes. And uh, we will certainly chat with you again here soon. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Take care. <laughs> you got it. When we get back, it will be time for What's Bugging Chuckery. Uh- we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month, with eligible trade-in when you switch.